Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hello there, Scoobies. Kristen here to tell you that before we get into today's episode, I have a few announcements. First, we mentioned a couple of weeks ago in the intro that we'd have a few structure changes this summer as Jenny and I journey through our separation. And as such, this week's episode, Harsh Light of Day, is going to be hosted by myself and the always brilliant Joanna Robinson, writer at Vanity Fair, host of many podcasts, massive Buffy fan, and one of our favorite guests of all time. Jenny, of course, will still be with us for the song at the end. Plus, she's coming at us hot, hot, hot with a sexual tension award segment within the episode. Jenny will also be guesting on next week's Angel on Top crossover episode, In the Dark. Then the two of us will be back at it again in two weeks when we bring you Halloween in July and so much Anya with Fear Itself. Also, speaking of Joanna Robinson, if you're a Patreon supporter, you got a very special bonus episode last week where Joanna and I discussed living conditions. Joanna refers to it as the alt track of living conditions, which I love. You can find that by going to bufferingthevampireslayer.com and clicking on Patreon. A couple of important event announcements. First, in just three days on June 23rd, Saturday, this Saturday, I host one of my favorite events of the whole year, the All Ages Pride Party that I do in collaboration with Autostraddle. Uh, this year, we are sponsored by the Tegan and Sarah Foundation. We're going to have music from Emily Wells, spoken word from the Slam team at Urban Word New York City. It's totally free. It's from one o'clock until three o'clock at Housing Works Bookstore in New York City. So I hope to see some of your beautiful faces there. Also on July 8th, Jenny and I will be doing a live taping of Beer Bad at Littlefield in Brooklyn. Those tickets sold out as of yesterday, which is very exciting because that means a lot of you are going to be with us on July 8th. But for those of you who didn't get tickets, stay tuned. We'll let you know if any additional tickets are released or if there are door tickets that will be released the day of the show. To those of you who do have tickets, please note the first 100 of you will have seats. The rest of you will be standing room. We cannot wait to see all of your faces. Okay, I think that's all I have for you. So without further ado, let's get into Harsh Light of Day with special guest host, Joanna Robinson. Hello and welcome to Buffering the Vampire Slayer, a podcast where we will be watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer one by one, spoiler free. I'm Kristen Russo. And I'm special guest Joanna Robinson. Yeah! (laughs) (laughs) This week we are talking about season four, episode three, The Harsh Light of Day, which is a Spike episode, which is really why you're here, Joanna. I mean, let's be real. (laughs) Stay tuned at the end of this podcast every week for an original song written by Jenny Owen Youngs and I, recapping the Buffy episode we are discussing. The Harsh Light of Day was written by Jane Espenson and directed by James A. Contner, and it originally aired on October 19th, 1999. Yes, and this is the one where, as Buffy gets to know a charming student named Parker, Spike searches for a ring that, according to legend, makes the wearer invincible. Oh, Parker, you charmer. (laughs) 
Oh, it's like Parker. I wish that I had a memory of Parker before this episode so that I would know if like how I felt about him, because now everything that comes out of his mouth just makes me want to murder him. Yes. You know, (laughs) so true. Right. There's a lot of we won't jump right into the jingle, but there's like a lot of the fucking patriarchy, I think, hanging out here in episode three of season four. Yeah, it's it's a it's a pretty rough one. I think you texted me after you're done with your like most recent. What, what did you say? Like what an episode in yes. all caps, right? Yes, because yeah. it yes. is. It's so it like, is. As I took my notes, I was like, oh shit, right? Like, and I just watched it not even that long ago, but I forgot how many things I was gonna all caps take notes in. You know? <laughs> yeah. My, actually, my very first note, Joanna, is in all caps, and it is uh, Devin is in a belly shirt. <laughs> Uh, what is my Devon shirt note? It just says Devon. Oh, it's, it just says Devon shirt, all caps. <laughs> it's like, so, okay. So where Dingo's ate my baby was playing at the bronze. And I yeah. don't, like, I haven't up until this episode, I've had sort of not very many feelings about Devon. You know, I'm like, that's oh, Devon. He, yeah. he sings and Dingo's ate my baby. But I was like sort of appalled by his shirt and then immediately attracted to him in like all at one moment. So it was, it was really intense. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really intense experience for me. So I just want you to know that apparently I'm into dudes in bands wearing belly shirts. It's just such a belly shirt. It's a crazy belly shirt because it's like Devin doesn't seem to be like the kind of guy who would wear a belly shirt at all. And it's not like terribly sexy. It's like weirdly sized. I don't know, but you loved it. So I... for for a, a lid for every pot and a belly <laughs> shirt for every Buffy watcher. <laughs> Yeah, I think that like the 90s really got into my head like a little nugget of that like hip line. You know, the hip line in the 90s, how that was like a real thing, like Abercrombie and Fitch happened and like dudes would wear their pants low. And we were taught as a society that something sexy, it was like, you know, when when ankles were really sexy in the 90s, it was like the weird hip line that happens on some dudes. So I think it just triggered that uh, marketing materials in my head. (laughs) The the thirst trap, I believe, is what some people call it. Yes, exactly. There's a lot of amazing. It's so funny because I know this took place in 99, fall of 99, 90s. The 90s are winding down mm-hmm. uh, in this episode. But <laughs> a lot of the fashion and I and I know that, you know, I'm not your fashion expert, but a lot of the fashion in this episode, I was just like, my notes just scream. So aughties, so aughties, so aughties, which is like the aughties are a terrible uh, word. But uh, so 2000s. Yes. Uh, Also, I've never I've never heard the Aughties, but I like it and I feel like it's dangerous because like, are you saying the Aughties or are you saying the 80s really oddly? You know, (laughs) which one is the 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 naughty (laughs) Aughties? Yeah, yeah. That's actually right where this episode falls is in the Naughties. So speaking of Naughties, no, it's a horrible transition, but I went there. (laughs) So we're doing it. Parker is playing some pool at the bronze and Buffy is watching him in the mirror, which is really like very fun because she can finally see a boy she likes in a mirror. How novel. It's good for stalking. <laughs> yeah. Good for stalking. Like light, gentle stalking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. And uh, uh, Willow has this amazing line where she's like, Buffy is having lusty, wrong feelings, but then like goes out of her way to be like, but they're, they're lusty, but actually they're not wrong at all, Buffy. Like own your sexuality. Your sexy yeah. feelings are good. 
I don't know. This is this is such an interesting episode because it is both like you know this is this is another sex morality episode. I I, I like that I'm here for the sex morality episodes. Apparently, <laughs> I think they like offering. go arm in arm with Spike episodes. They there must be some <laughs> kind of overlap. <laughs> but this yeah this is like a harsh harsh well harsh light of days harsh lessons about sex episode. But there's also like there's a lot of I feel like sex positivity in this episode along with like sex negativity. But it just feels like it really changes the whole conversation around sex which makes sense given that given that this is like for a lot of a lot of kids uh going from high school to college just like completely reframes your attitudes around sex right and so um the 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 spaces this episode makes for some sex positivity along with some of the like these are the pitfalls of sex um and by pitfalls i just sort of mean i don't know emotional fallout ramifications i i was in support of and so like this is this is willow just being like yeah buffy come on you like dated this shitty tortured vampire for so long <laughs> date parker because willow doesn't know that parker's worse than angel but she's mm-hmm. like date parker <laughs> he's such a nice like he's a human boy and it'll just be like fun and you guys know like sex and it'll be great and we'll talk about it you know willow's willow's trying for like sex and dating positivity here totally you know? totally also he's a human boy it's just a really great sentence <laughs> he's a human boy date him buffy it'll be good for everybody it's a low low bar to clear but parker clears it technically a human parker <laughs> also parker like and and there's a lot of these little moments so probably i'm not going to call all of them out but this moment that parker has at the end of the scene where he's like you might not be safe walking home as like a line to like get in buffy's pants was really it was really upsetting to me like this idea of like i'm a dude and i'll protect you but really my motivation is to sleep with you i didn't like it i don't like it guess what it gets worse (laughs) (laughs) spoiler alert it gets so much fucking worse lots of all caps i warned everybody lots actually i do have all caps coming up for the next moment in the show which probably you know what my all caps are about joanna they're about harmony and i just wrote omg omg harmony yes uh because Mm -hmm. i am oh yeah I'm so thrilled. I'm so thrilled. Like, I think if you're watching the series for the first time, maybe it was a little confusing about like how enthusiastic I was about Harmony. I couldn't keep it to myself. Mm. Now you're now you're getting why. Right. Like this. Yeah. (laughs) This was in my brain the whole time. Harmony is fucking back and Harmony is a fucking vampire. Also, Harmony is fucking Spike. So many things. Vampire Harmony is the best. And I mean, it's funny because like, you, you know, you your enthusiasm for Cordelia in the in the like first three seasons, and, and we we do miss her so. But uh, your your enthusiasm for Cordelia uh, is so fun for me because I'm wondering like if people watching it for the first time are having that experience with Cordelia. Because when I watched it for the first time as a teen, I was like not really into Cordelia at all. Mm-hmm. And then as an adult, I'm like Cordelia rules though. <laughs> right. And uh, <laughs> and so. Um, so like maybe your maybe people thought your uh, <laughs> enthusiasm for Harmony was a splash over from Cordelia, but uh, no, Harmony is awesome in her own right, especially uh, in her new life as a vampire. So here we go, Vampire Harmony versus Willow and Oz. <laughs> God, and like her first line before she vamps is like you know like her and Willow are being like, no, oh, I haven't seen you. Like how was your summer? Blah blah blah. And Harmony's like they like talk about graduation for a half a second, and Harmony just yeah. says, "Big snake." huh like (laughs) which 
I love, which I just so love. Uh, and also, Harmony in this episode, this is the first time that I had this connection in my mind, but Harmony in this episode, Vamp Harmony, reminds me a little bit of Donna Martin, but like vamped. Like if Donna Martin yes. from 90210 was vamped, I feel like she would have a similar attitude to Harmony or a similar like speak. The way that Harmony speaks reminds me of Donna Martin. Yeah. Uh, if Donna Martin graduated, no, she didn't graduate. Don't worry. But <laughs> she, like, <laughs> spoilers for 90210. She fucking graduates. Yeah. Uh, Donna Martin graduates and goes to college and is a vampire. Um, yeah. Though Harmony is obviously not uh, enrolled in classes. It's a shame. She should be. Maybe she'd take some like French. Um, oh, yeah. That would make her happier. But right? yes. Harmony versus Willow and Oz. Um, and Willow and Oz make it out, but barely. And Harmony talks about her boyfriend. And I wonder, I'm like just so curious if like, if people watching the show for the first time who know the rules of storytelling, so know that when Harmony says, my boyfriend, my boyfriend, my boyfriend, like it's probably going to be someone either interesting or we know. Right. But if like anyone saw the Spike twist coming, because it's so good like I, yeah I can't yeah. imagine I can't imagine only the very smartest of the people because I, my brain would not have gone there you know I just I didn't see Spike coming back although I guess Spike is in the credits right so maybe the really like intuitive people were like maybe this is why Spike is in the credits but yeah I was about to ask, I was about to say if you saw James Marster's name in the credits maybe but, well because he's not a series regular yet right like right he, um, I guess I shouldn't say who else, but, um, anyway, yeah, I used to play that game a lot, um, with Buffy and other shows that I watched obsessively before I became like a TV critic and like everything was already pre-spoiled for me. But back in the days you could like get, get a little spoiled by whose name is in the opening credits, you know? So watching a Buffy, I would get like really excited if I saw like Danny Strong, I'm like, Oh, Jonathan's in this episode, you know, <laughs> right, like right. in the, in the guest starring crawl in the beginning. So, totally. uh, so uh, yeah, uh, Spike's here. Spike's here. Also, just a shout out to if you missed the way that Harmony runs off screen after she does her like, I have a boyfriend and he's going to be mad. I suggest you go back and watch her like turn around and jauntily run off in her little outfit because it's good. It's real good. Yes. Yes. So Parker. Parker loves Buffy's fucking scar. Of course, Parker loves a scar. Of course, Parker loves anything that Buff that's going to like get Buffy to be into Parker. I enjoy the fact that Buffy credits the scar to an angry puppy because I feel she did not lie. <laughs> I feel like that was the truth. If I could describe e Angel in any way, right? An angry puppy. And that's uh, that's something that goes forward in the fandom. Like people call Angel uh, angry puppy all the time. So, yeah. And also Willow, yeah. Willow called uh, Angel puppy in the alternate universe. So oh, it's true. It's true. It's true. A lot of a lot of overlap here with this little tiny moment. And then, of course, there's this amazing Angel reference. Don't you just hate guys who are all dark and broody and like give me <laughs> love? And it's like, yeah. Mm, yeah, OK, we get it. Yeah. The, Parker is like this. I don't know this like human and slightly shittier i think if you listen to the the you know the bonus version of living conditions that you and i the alt track of living conditions that you <laughs> and i recorded Kristen, i think i pointed out in in that that i think that the actor who plays parker looks like kind of enough like angel he looks like xander and he looks like angel it looks like on that on that spectrum and i think that that's important not just that like buffy has a type necessarily but just sort of this idea of parker as like a human human angel um 
counterpart. And and just what this episode, I, I keep wanting to get ahead of everything, but just like what this episode does uh, to mirror um, becoming part one and two, you know, like just mm-hmm. what it does to humanize anchor that in like a human experience you know is is really interesting right right I know I just like that this whole time I'm thinking like is Buffy ever gonna get to sleep with somebody where something horrible doesn't happen right after like this is like a one-two punch it's like one thing for it to have happened once but for it to happen again is pretty rough Buffy has a lot of shit to work through as if she didn't already she's the chosen one you know like give her a break (laughs) (laughs) so Let's go to Giles' uh, Giles' yeah. house, shall we? I love it. Fucking Xander and Giles sorting books is great. It makes me very happy. <laughs> it's delightful that like Giles is paying Xander whatever a pittance to <laughs> to sort some books. Um, and I just love you know like sometimes you get like fun little pairings on the show that you didn't know you kind of wanted and needed more of. And I'm like, yeah, I do want more of Giles and Xander together. Yeah, um, college really yeah. opens up some possibilities for us. Some that we've seen and some that we have yet to see that I'm very excited yeah. about. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, yeah. So and then we get, you know, the return of everyone's favorite vengeance demon. Oh, right? She's back. She's back. Anya. I mean, Harmony and Anya in the same episode. Come on. I know. It's Come a lot. On. It's a lot to take. And Anya fucking like this moment between Anya and Giles is so brief, but it's so incredible where <laughs> they're just like glaring at each other and not saying too much, but hating each other so very much about that whole necklace ordeal. You know, like, yeah, it's just really special. Well, and this also feels like, um, you know, this is a... I don't know if you agree with me. I feel like this is a big retcon for this character. The character really changes between when we meet her in season three and when we meet her in season four. Mm-hmm. And I don't mind it at all. I really like both versions of Anya. Um, I don't think there's a good explanation for it, but I like this version of Anya. And I was, um, I remember I was trying to convince a friend of mine who was really into Star Trek <laughs> to watch Buffy in co- when we were in college. So it was like, I think it was like season five or something like that. And I was telling her about all the, ca- all the characters. And I was like, well, there's one character who like doesn't understand the way we're, the way the world works. So like, you know, has to have things uh, explained to her. And she's like, oh, uh, the data, that's the data character. And I was like, oh. yeah. So I always think of Anya and like, you get it in this episode as someone who's like, I don't understand how you humans function. Will you explain it to me? Sort of thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. I like, I've always sort of ca- like understood her shift. And but maybe my timeline is off. Like my shift for her was just the the moment that she be like she went from demon to human but i think maybe right like in in season four it gets very very extreme where she really becomes like not the amelia bedelia but like of that way of like just taking everything very literally and having to unpack like situations that she doesn't understand apart from their face value as presented i love that i was like let me give you my data reference and you were like let me give you an amelia bedelia (laughs) i think it really sums us up joanna i would yeah i will be really interested to hear what your listeners think like who the anya uh character represents for them but anya is here and it's like and this is so clever. It ties in so well to the theme of the episode because I also watched this episode recently and then just rewatched it. But like rewatching it again, I was like, you know, she's talking to Xander about 
expectations and hopes of relationships because she doesn't understand how things work. And, and this is, this is what I was talking about kind of when I was talking about sex positivity, she's like, I have my dream and in my dream you're naked sometimes or whatever. Right. And I feel like that's a, that's a brave step forward for Buffy where there was like good sex and bad sex in the high school years, but it was all either like demure or you know someone was like a snack maybe like ooh, totally snackable but Mm -hmm. like but like this whole like I've had naked dreams about you and I'm just gonna talk about it right here right now yeah feels like uh you know a progression yeah it's really it's also really brilliantly done I think because Anya is like you said like so vulnerable without even understanding that she's being vulnerable um like bold without understanding that she's being bold and even Xander in this exchange or no I guess it's the next time we see the two of them together sort of makes a comment about like how this is this is even more romantic than despite her forwardness despite her bluntness her boldness like it feels more romantic more emotionally connected to him than of course Faith did and it also sets up like the fact that a woman taking power and saying what she wants can be like very enjoyable and wonderful and good and it doesn't always have to be set up in this dynamic which Oh, we'll go down the Buffy wormhole as the episode unfolds. But yeah, I think it's a good counterpoint and super positive. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, as positive as it can get for this episode. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, within the context of the episode, within the context of 1999, I'm here for yeah. it. <laughs> So what happens next? Parker tries to kiss Buffy and at least is deterred in this one moment because Oz and Willow come to tell them, well, to tell Buffy that Harmony is back and Harmony is a vampire, which uh, this scene I, I had a question about for you and college. Did you lock your dorm room door in college? Yes. You did? Yes. I never, we never locked our, we never closed our door. Our door was just always wide open. And so when I saw Buffy like using her key, I was like, did I even have a key? Like, is that something that, I'm sure we did, but we just never used it. What kind of school did you go to? I went to, well, I went to a billion schools, but the one that I like is rooted in my freshman and sophomore years. And the one that like I have most dorm memories from is SUNY Binghamton. So it was a state school. Uh, And I, you know, I lived in like a big dorm with, I don't even know how many people were in my dorm but several people on a floor, you know, the floor shared bathrooms, the whole thing. Certainly we probably should have been locking our doors, but I was like 17 slash 18 years old. So it, I just didn't think about it. <laughs> yeah. I went to a UC, um, and I not UC Sunnydale, unfortunately. <laughs> and, um, and we had to use like a, a swipe card to get into the building, but like, oh, anyone- yeah. But like anyone could catch the door behind you and like one bit of crime that happened. This is my favorite. I'm just going to talk about it because it's like my favorite bit of audacious crime I can remember (laughs) is that uh, I went to UC Davis, which is like a huge biking. Like everyone is a biker, like a like a not a not a motorcycle biker, like a biker, biker, a hippie biker, (laughs) a hippie biker in UC Davis. And so there's bikes everywhere. And my freshman year, it was like move out day. And so everyone has like um, moving trucks and stuff like that. So someone just like rented a small U-Haul, pulled it up to the back of the dorm and actually literally picked up full bike racks <gasps> and threw the racks with all the bikes into the back of the moving truck and just like stole just 
Oh so many bikes. God. Uh, it, I don't know. Isn't it kind of like you kind of admire the audacity of the crime, yes. even though it's terrible? Yeah. Really dramatic. Yeah. And I kind of like it. I mean, yeah. sorry to all of you who lost your bikes in <laughs> the 90s. No, when were you yeah. in college? In the audience? The audience. The, the yeah. the <laughs> <laughs> but like props to that person for ingenuity. Right. And because boldness. like move out weeks. So no one's going to like, no one's going to look at the moving, like twice in a moving truck. Right. And then they just sort of like went for it. And and, um, yeah, hit a bunch of dorms around campus is pretty amazing. Wow. Anyway, yes. Long story short, I did lock my door. <laughs> <laughs> but did you lock your bike? If you did, it literally didn't matter because it the didn't whole matter thing anyway. got taken. <laughs> um, so this is when we find out who fucking Harmony is dating. And it's fucking Spike. And this is like this reveal. I know it's whatever, but I'm really into it. The fact that it's like we go under we're underground and like then there's this man and he's work sinewy and working on this wall or whatever he's doing. And he's got like this cloth over his head and she pulls it off to reveal that platinum hair that we know so well. And it's fucking Spike. You know, I love Spike. Marsters, like, sinewy is so perfect. Like, Marsters is always sinewy. Like, even now on Runaways, he is a sinewy oh. fellow. Um, yeah, I love that cam. I, I wrote camera pan down because it starts on, like, the street level and then goes, like, literally yeah. underground. It's so cheesy and bad <laughs> and good. Um, but, yeah, and, and, of course, it's a super cheesy, dramatic reveal, and I am here for it. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, oh, sorry, I want to I wanna hop back really quickly because Willow and Oz are telling Buffy that... Uh, Harmony's back. Harmony's a vampire. And um, I just, you know, I like to stop and pause for the Oz moments. So pa- take, <laughs> take, an, take an Oz pause, um, like, like a, a real quick Oz pause to, to notice him first tending to the wound on Willow's neck. And then um, he's talking about how Devin dated Harmony and he says that Harmony is too flaky for Devin. And then he says, stop and marvel at the concept. So just just (laughs) just an Oz pause for that line, which is a great Oz line. Um, And then we can return to Sinewy Spike Underground. (laughs) I love Oz pause. You know, it's just really good. It's like its own little it deserves its own little jingle. The Oz pause. (laughs) I know. I'm sorry that it took like two seasons to get here or whatever. But here we are. Um, so yeah, I mean, I am exploring my feelings for Spike this time around because like my feelings for Spike were very clear to me after my first viewing of the series, which is I really like Spike. Spike is my favorite character. I want to make out with Spike. I really want Spike to throw me up against walls. Like this, these are my feelings and I can't right help in front of Ryan. <laughs> But like, and I'm like really into Harmony and Spike. I know, I mean, obviously like it gets more problematic as the episode goes on, but in the outset, like their dynamic where Spike is like angry and Harmony is into it and then Spike is into Harmony being into it. It's just like, I'm I'm here for it. I like it. Uh, You know, I just, I feel like she really plays off of his energy in really good ways. We turn a corner later, but like for a moment, I'm here with it. I'm very happy about it. I love Spike. You know I love Spike. We love Spike. Uh, Some of your listeners may not love Spike, and I respect that stance, but um, (laughs) I love him so much. I love the – I think he's both dreamy and hilarious, and that's a rare combination. Mm -hmm. So – there we go. You can, you guys, you listeners can are welcome to psychoanalyze me. <laughs> I know, right? And I talk to me about why I'm messed up for loving Spike, but uh, I do. That and that's like my, how I'm progressing through the series this time is like watching myself watch Spike and being like, yeah. what has, what is going on with you to myself? Yeah. Like, what, what's going on here? Why are you so into it? But I just, I don't know. And like the the dichotomy of Harmony and Spike too, where 
you know, Harmony is like calling him Blondie Bear and just like saying these things that are so anti-Spike, but that you see her doing it on purpose. Like, it's not even like she's just saying the things. Like, she's saying them because she knows it's going to make him angry and she likes when he's angry because then they fuck, you know? It's like this whole game. Yes. I don't know if you, um, if only terribly like sad English majors play this game, but like <laughs> there's a, <laughs> there's a, <laughs> like myself, but there's a game you, <laughs> one can play when one goes see Shakespeare at the theater. Um, if you go, if, you know, you go see a Shakespeare play and you're like, okay, all right, that's a line that people quote. That's a line that people quote. That's a line that, you know, and like, and you sort of rack them up even in plays that you don't expect would have so many lines that people just like use or have been used to name books or plays or whatever it is, you know? Um, my English teacher in high school sort of started me on that. And that's just like a thing I do is like, is keep tally of the, of the notable lines. Uh-huh. And I would say angry puppy and blondie bear mm-hmm. are two iconic Buffy phrases that come from this episode yes also I like that the game is just keeping track of the lines like that I was I was like no winner (laughs) (laughs) only losers in this game (laughs) I was like waiting for like and then after you keep track of them all you do this thing (laughs) and I then suddenly realized the whole game is just noting the lines (laughs) oh my god I want to go back I want to go back to Amelia Bedelia jokes Okay, so here we are, if we're ready to go to this party where fucking Biff Naked is just playing this party at college. Yeah. This is this is very Peach Pit After Dark. That's another 90s Nano 2 and 0 reference yeah. where like super famous bands would just play the Peach Pit and you're like, okay, uh, the cranberries are here. Sure they are. Anyway, <laughs> Fifth Naked is playing at UC Sunnydale party. So right. Like, totally normal. And I, yeah, and it is. Like, and obviously, like now we're in season four of Buffy. So Buffy's doing very well for itself. So of course we're gonna start to see bigger names playing, not even the bronze now. They just straight up play college parties. And and she yeah. has a great, I think she has a like pretty great features on the episode too. Like we hear two of her songs, one of them like in, you know, very clearly like the full chorus. Full. And yeah. 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 So Spike and Harmony are here. They're picking up some dinner because Harmony, Harmony did win the argument, which I like, you know, she was like, take me out. And Spike did it. Yeah. She did a little, a little rent, a little yeah. Daphne Vega, take me out tonight. And uh, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Coming out strong with the fucking references this episode, <laughs> Joanna, you're really like hitting me in all the feels. <laughs> if I didn't get you with my great Shakespeare game <laughs> or my bike larceny, then surely I will get you with some rent lyrics. Anyway. Yes. Uh, they are at the party and it's great because it's, a, you know, there's always just this thing between Buffy and Spike as far as I'm concerned Mm -hmm. and and what it is in this episode I do I consider them like a will they won't they and what they do in this episode is a hardcore judge each other's dates (laughs) you know (laughs) he's like so Parker she's like harmony really you know like Yeah. This is rom com. This is some rom com shit. Is what this is. A hundred percent. And they use they also like a note that I had was not only are they like assessing each other's current dates, but they also use 
each other's exes as like a fighting tool both of them yeah. in different points of this episode of course Buffy going in in this scene with Drew you know like the, the Drew comment this is this is later I guess this is after they leave the party but Drew she uses Drew as like she left you blah 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 and then fucking harmony behind the fight is perfect harmony she left him for a fungus demon <laughs> And he's like already annoyed. And then again, perfect harmony. When we find yeah. the gem of Amara, you'll be sorry. And he's like, God damn it, harmony. <laughs> Harmonies. Okay. Once again, I know that Kate Leth is on this episode. Yes. But the, the, this is the first harmony outfit of many. Like they're all great. But this is the harmony look that I was like, this is every college party that I went to. Cause I was in college like at this time. And so she's got a tube top on with like an asymmetrical strap. And then her hair <laughs> is sort of like down, but like, you know, braided back and like very hardcore, like reined in. Um, and, and she just looks like, I don't know what it is about the early aughts, but it's like, it's like clean, but clubby, mm-hmm. but like soft, but modern. Um, and, you know, she's got her makeup done like a little differently. And uh, I was just like, yep, here it is. The, here is the aughts. Yeah. On Harmony's body, you know? Totally. It's like, it's like you're wearing makeup, but are you? Like, that's like yeah. the early aughts, I think. The like very nude lipstick and like you're kind of dewy. <laughs> Drew Barrymore, I yeah. think, pulled it off really well in the in the early aughts. I think Drew Barrymore was a high contender for that dewy, uh, dewy look. Yes. Dewey Barrymore. That was her. Do- There's a lot of. Uh, sorry. Dewey. <laughs> Fucking Barrymore. Great, great, great. Uh, yeah, so they have they have that fight outside, but, like, it should be noted that in order to get to that, uh, Spike, like, just throws, just runs. <laughs> like, just runs out of that party. Uh, you know, classic, like, I'm going to start talking about something else, and then, no, I'm just going to throw this, uh, you know, passed out teenager at you. Yeah. <laughs> good. I'm here for it. So, um, yeah, we get it. We we go to a scene in Xander's room where we finally find out why he's squeezing the juice box in the credits. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's a great little metaphor. Uh, yeah. Good old squeezing the juice box. Um, yeah. And it should be noticed that noted that uh, Xander is decorating his room <laughs> with a disco ball. <laughs> Just. Just FYI, brightening up that basement room with a disco ball. So that's oh, our Xander. That is our Xander. I actually, I actually, you know, I know you guys get, you know, some guff from your listeners for being too hard on Xander. I am certainly often very hard on Xander. I have a lot of soft, sympathetic feelings for Xander in this episode. To yeah. Be with you. Same. So his first time was terrible mm-hmm. uh, with Faith. And like, just as someone who like just doesn't know what to do, but probably genuinely does have good intentions, at least in this context, but just doesn't know what to do. That's my take on Xander in this whole, uh, you know, sticky situation. Yeah. So. Yeah. He's tr- also sticky situation. I yep. see you. I see you. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, he's he's really he's trying to do like right by himself, too. Like it's like right Anya is being very clear about what she's after. So completely clear. Is she wearing nothing under that dress, right? That's what we're to believe, that she's just wearing that dress and there's zero things underneath it as it drops to the yeah. floor. And it's like, you know, okay, I'm going <laughs> to... I mean, this is a sex episode, so let's just talk about this. Yeah. There's something even more naked about a woman who still has her shoes on. Ooh, Isn't that true? Yes. Yes. Yeah, so she she drops the dress, but she still has, and I think their platform wedges because it was 1999. Like mm-hmm. she still has her shoes on, and that just like 
feels more naked to me. I agree. So. It's also, uh, I mean, it's pretty sexy. And I, I want to say that like human beings and our like the way our desires work is really funny because like somebody standing in their heels with no clothes on is like pretty sexy in my brain. Somebody standing in their socks with no clothes on immediately not sexy. Like, it's just like change the check, change the fabric, change the texture, change the height. And then we're in a totally different place, you know? Yep. But luckily so. Anya was not just wearing socks. Anya was wearing some, some heels. Yes. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I think like Xander has one like one Xandery comment, which is as he's trying to like explain his feelings about sexual intercourse and how like he wants it to mean something and and what have you, where he does you know hit the Xander bell and say, "I'm actually turning into a woman as I say this," but yeah, sure. which is a right. womp womp for Xander, but it's the, not great, not great. But it's I think at least as far as I witnessed in this episode, it was really the only like moment where I was like, "Okay, come on, man, you're so." close you're so close to just nailing this yeah. thing uh and by nailing this thing i mean like smashing the patriarchy not anya. not anya <laughs> no. i don't just, think anyone who knows you thought just, you meant anya. <laughs> just god forbid yeah. <laughs> let me be clear so in the middle of this wonderful xander anya scene giles mm. and buffy get on the phone and <laughs> it's really not super notable it's just like you know, Giles is like, you know, the, the it's a myth. It's like the Holy Grail. It's not a real thing. But I just wrote a little note because every time Giles gets super excited about history or a book, I enjoy it. And he just has this moment where like he's reading the book and he realizes that it's the 10th century. And he didn't know it was the 10th century. And he's like, ooh, the 10th century as he's reading the book, which is a nice little booky Giles moment, you know? I love you, Giles. Um, also, well, my note here is payphone because I just get excited every time someone uses a payphone <laughs> were payphones so uh, I don't remember our exact difference but our exact age difference but are you somebody who has like used payphones in your life yes I've used a payphone in my life yes it was, yes. It was like a part of your something like payphones were like a very large part of my existence especially in New York because I remember being very upset anytime I had to use a payphone in New York because I always felt like it was covered in the worst things in the universe and so like I would try to like hear in the thing and talk in the thing without them touching my skin you know <laughs> Yes. And you always had to have change. And it was like a whole thing of like a pursuit of change if you needed to contact someone. And like also we, you know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one of the most iconic lines is like if the apocalypse comes, beat me. So you have your like pager or someone pages you yeah. and then you have to go like find a payphone and call them. Um, but like, you know, payphones are not so far in the in the distant past that like. Uh, your younger listeners won't know what they are, especially if they listen to Serial, the mm. podcast where payphones played a big role. <laughs> but eventually, payphones will become one of those things where it's like watching a movie and someone's like, operator, clock knock, five, five, five. You know, like, you're like <laughs> what is this weird way we used to communicate? Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So, so you true. see a payphone and you're just sort of like, oh, and they're like, there's almost all gone now. And there's a... There's a there's a slight classism to that, you know what I mean? Because like, you know, yeah, a, a phone call, brace yourself, used to cost a dime. But like, you know, people who couldn't, I don't know, I guess everyone, a lot of people can afford a cell phone, but not everyone can afford a cell phone. Mm -hmm. And so you're like the fact that payphones have been all but removed from the street 
um, means that like, you know, a population that can't access telecommunication that way is kind of cut off from it. And uh, that's something I just think about. That's just a little bummer. I thought I'd drop in the middle of this yeah. episode. So. No, I'm here. I'm here for yeah. the bummers because it's true. It's like pay phones were accessible to anyone with a quarter. You know, you yeah. just needed a quarter and then you could make a call. They were universally um, accessible and cell phones are, of course, not. Uh, not at all. So um, that's your payphone detour. Mm-hmm. Back to Anya and Xander. <laughs> Or whatever comes next. Another, uh, another like relic of the '90s. Well, this—that's a very rude way of referring to Antonio Banderas. But I just. <laughs> <laughs> but like you know, Antonio- usually I could see your transitions coming. I didn't. I didn't see it coming for Antonio. You got me. I didn't see it coming for poor Antonio. Oh, I'm so the, like, proud. Mac truck bearing down on poor Antonio. Um. Oh. It's, it should be noted. So like Harmony looking beautiful in like a negligee. So gorgeous. In, in like and luxuriating in bed reading a tabloid <laughs> um, <laughs> is bothering Spike, right? Um, but it should be noted that when she brings up uh, Antonio in this context, uh, he, of course, did play a vampire, an interview with a vampire in 1994. This is 1999. So, yes. you know, I guess she could have said Tom Cruise or Brad Pitt, but she went international. She went with Antonio. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and like also, okay, so Antonio and because Antonio Banderas was like, again, Antonio Banderas is doing a great job in the world. But in the fucking 90s, like it's all you heard about was Antonio Banderas. Like he was everywhere. It was a, yeah, he was was a very big, big deal. (laughs) Very fucking big deal. And this scene, we get some spike sex and I'm here for it. I'm here for the spike sex. And I'm also here for harmony using her blue veins as a like t- like that's how she's getting spike she's like she she says literally i'm simply covered in these blue veins <laughs> like i just oh my god i like it I like it. I like what I like, and I like this. Yeah, um, the the blue veins and the uh, and the Dr- more Drusilla talk. Right? right. Yes. What does she call her? Dor- Dorcas. <laughs> <laughs> the so Dorcas is something that like we called each other in the eighties and nineties, right? Mm, it yeah. was like a r- rad, totally tubular Dorcas sort of thing. <laughs> for your for your listeners who are musical fans. There's a, a musical that I grew up watching a million times over, which is problematic in its own right. Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. It was like a favorite in my house. Um, the most beautiful sex potty character in that musical, uh, played by Julie Newmar, who also played Catwoman, uh, <gasps> is named is named Dorcas. <laughs> like that's her name. They're like pioneer women, uh, like frontier women. And so Dorcas, I guess, was a name <laughs> that one might be named at that time. And it was like it's like D O R C U S. Oh, uh, you know, and God. like long before Dork was like a thing that we ever called people. <laughs> and so like you know, they're like Dorcas at this like like sex bomb of a of a woman it's so funny so wow that really yeah. I need to watch that musical I'm not familiar with that musical actually and I would like to turn Dorcas on its head and it, it feels like this will really do it for me yeah Julie Newmar is taking Dorcas back she's reclaiming it she's sexifying <laughs> it it's gonna be great incredible <laughs> Uh, um so then we have to go back to this fucking party right like that's where we're going and biff naked is serenading them and she's all like we are the lucky ones and everybody's like yeah the 90s 
And then Parker and Buffy like steal away to have this. My note specifically is Parker's all la 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 history is whatever making a choice. It's just like I can't hear anything that he says now and not just want to strangle him. Um, yeah. But I will say that I really find this kiss to be a plus like as much as I'm like oh Parker stop saying all your bullshit just to make out like the kiss is a really good kiss you know who's really good at slow dancing and then like nuzzling and then smooching someone Sarah Michelle Gellar yeah she does it real well you feel like um she does the whole like in that sort of like attraction days Mm -hmm. thing really well I feel like you just really are transported when uh smg is telling you that buffy is sexually attracted to someone yeah (laughs) um i think she's good at it she is she is here's here's what's true about parker here's what's both good and bad about parker is like yeah parker's running a game on her yeah parker's a total trash human (laughs) but he is also in his like sneaky shitty way setting up expectations you know what mm. I mean? Um, you could disagree with me. That's fine. But like, okay, well, here's what I will say from my own perspective. Having lived more life than, you know, 18-year-old Buffy had at this time, there's there's a point where you start to recognize when people say those things to you. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I understand what that means. You know what I mean? This person is in their shitty way trying to set up some expectations for me, testing the waters. And like Buffy doesn't know that that's what he's doing among other things that he's doing you know what i mean and so she just agrees with him and she's like yes live for today no regrets okay let's just do it whatever you know and so yeah maybe i'm giving him too much credit but i'm just saying it's a it's a coding that i eventually became able to read and when you're 18 you can't necessarily read that code right that's interesting because i right i feel like it's easy to watch now and and see those things but i in watching this, even this last viewing, I still felt like Parker was not, I felt like Parker was the kind of person who like finds what works on a girl and then like goes with it. And so it seemed to me more so than that he was just like, this girl is like really into deep, you know, like being deep and whatever and like talking about this stuff. And so like went hard in that direction. But I guess you're right. I just, it makes me feel upset because at the end, I I really felt like he was super gaslighty to Buffy and this would undo my gaslighty Listen, he theory. is he is gaslighting her. Okay, yeah. Absolutely. Of course he is. Um, so like maybe I just need to reframe this. I I do not want to try to redeem Parker in any way. I will just say that like he's both gaslighting her and I guess giving himself plausible deniability while mm-hmm. he's gaslighting her mm-hmm. of like we talked about this you know what I mean and it's shitty and it sucks and I'm not defending him in any way so please don't anyone misunderstand me but I just think that like oh here here's what I'll say to your listeners both old and young (laughs) if a dude or a lady comes up to you and starts talking about like living for today blah blah and you have thoughts about maybe something more with them like because that's fine like Mm -hmm. one night stands are fine there's something wrong with that but like if you've thought something more and they say something like that just go walk away just don't don't mess with people who talk like that uh if you want more yeah you know what i mean which is what buffy is expecting totally so, totally yeah. Ugh. also i want to shout out because this scene you know they have this really great kiss and then it immediately cuts to parker's 
dorm room where there's this like Buffy's like awkwardly taking off his jacket. Um, it just seemed awkward because the kiss was so good. And I was like, what's happening now? Like, why didn't we choose a shirt? Why did we choose like the weird large jacket item to take off? But there's also some angel lighting on the back, some some Venetian blind lighting right behind Parker's head, which I was like, oh, got some angel lighting on the new boyfriend. I get it. Since you and I were definitely on this podcast together talking about Buffy's first time, mm-hmm. um, I just want to note some things that are here and some things that are missing. Okay. okay. Uh, I'm, uh, I don't have any clatter rings. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any tattoos. <laughs> um, I don't have any swinging lights above uh, <laughs> casting things in and out of shadow. <laughs> What I do have is like a Buffy clutching shoulder meat. That's like a classic buff move. Yeah. Sorry if that was too graphic. And then (laughs) um, uh, the same exact sheets. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That was a percent the same burgundy sheets. The burgundy uh, sheets. Yeah, that Angel had. So Good call. Angel, Angels might have had, like, a little bit more of a sheen on them. Seems like Angel might, might like, have a little, like, sateen or silk in with his sheets. But uh, And Parker is, like, a basic bitch cotton. But yeah. it's the same, it's same burgundy sheets. I'm, so. I'm glad. See, this is why I, like, have it, like, talking to you about Buffy is because you said same sheets. And in my mind, I thought... When it's my when I'm going to talk next, I'm going to be like, well, Joanna, actually, I think they were a little more sateen, a little shinier for Angel. And then you just said it. You know what I mean? You just know. You just know. You know all the things that are in my brain. And I and I'm appreciative of it. I should I need to. Sorry, I need to correct my own thing because I just did Google image search this because I'm like, oh, man, Kristen's uh, listeners are going to get mad at me if I'm wrong. Angel has like a it's like a blanket it's like the crimson there's like white sheets but like a crimson blanket sort of thing so i i take it back but uh like definitely when they're having sex it's like the crimson blanket is part of the whole visual just 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 if you were like angrily typing an email right now you could could stop (laughs) (laughs) thank you for being so thorough joe i was with you i remembered the crimson but i crimson. it's a whole thing yeah uh so. so my my last note in the scene is Giles leaves a voicemail because, oh, God, the ring of Amara is real, but too bad, Dad, because Buffy's fucking Parker. (laughs) Did you say too bad, Dad? Yeah. Dad, you can't reach Buffy. She's having sex. She's having, she's not in her room. Uh, Which is, like, not to skip ahead, but Buffy walking into her fucking dorm room with Giles there and, like, doing the full walk of shame with, like, literal Dad sitting there is a really, really great moment in this episode. (laughs) Well, but also like bravo to Willow for ushering him out of there um, because she wants to talk about it with with Buffy. um, And we don't get like a repeat of Becoming where like Giles needs to know that Buffy was having sex. You know, like I think dad doesn't know this time. You think? I feel Uh, like he did. I feel like. You think dad knows? I think dad knows. I think Uh. because there's a moment, I can't remember the exact line, but there's like a moment between Giles and Buffy where she's like uh, sort of like saying, well, I don't even need to say where I was because I'm in college. And he's like, thank goodness that you don't you know what i mean oh, like oh yeah okay you're right dad knows dad knows dad knows dad, kn- dad <laughs> okay. knows that it's better for dad not to know you know what i mean <laughs> you're right dad knows. oh so what else do we have here there's 
whatever parker's dorm buffy's looking for her clothes uh parker brought coffee whatever i feel i don't i don't have any feelings about this particular exchange but it's there for you joanna if you have feelings well it's an interesting fake out right because like you know she wakes up the next morning he's gone she does that like awkward sheet around you hunt for uh clothes sort of thing and like oh and so if you're watching this for the first time maybe you're like oh well he's done that thing where you know the the gent abandons the lady and she's just like oh fuck this sucks you know and then he comes back with coffee and he's like oh what i was just getting coffee i mean it's further shittiness for parker because right. like you know he's playing the nice guy the next morning and it's just like get to the cad already right? don't make us wait for the cad just go for it you know right. what i mean so agree agree yeah. and there's also trouble in paradise between Anya and Xander in the next little tiny scene. It's sort of like there's these three, they stagger these scenes just like we get at the end with like the three of them where they stagger these scenes where it's like Parker brings coffee to Buffy, then we go right to Xander's room and Anya's like I'm over you now and Xander says okay and then she's like okay? (laughs) She flips out and then it cuts right to Harmony writing on Spike's back. It's sort of like in the moment after, right? It's like everybody has fucked and what are they all doing? <laughs> what, yeah. What's, what are the what's moments? The, what's the post-coital? Yeah. And like the answer is like nothing's good. Um, <laughs> with Anya and Xander, once again, I just have I have a lot of sympathy for Anya and I have a lot of sympathy for Xander because I've been Anya, definitely often been Anya where you like say something and you, mm. you know, she says I'm definitely over you and what she wants him to say is like, no, we had sex. It was great. Let's date, you know? And he's like, okay. And she's like, okay. You know, and it's like, <laughs> you know, and Xander who's 18 and like not, you know, not quick on the uptake generally anyway, is not uh, attuned yet to know that when sometimes people say things they don't mean in a like weird plaintive way, hoping for you to reassure them that they're wrong. And, you know, he just sort of goes, okay, you know, and, and it's, I have sympathy for both of them in that scene. Totally. And Xander's definitely, I feel like Xander's been in this position before where he just like goes along with it. Like he's not even really saying his own thoughts. He's just like, I get, she's saying this, so I'm just going to agree. Like it's, he's definitely not participating in the exchange. He's just agreeing because he thinks it's what he's supposed to do. Um, Yeah. Um, so he's obviously taken super off guard when his agreement his agreement is uh, not the thing to do at all. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then uh, Harmony using a lipstick shade that she would never wear or pull off, like yeah. a black, practically black. I guess she's probably experimenting with some shades. Um, <laughs> she's bored. She's bored in that underground. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she's drawing, she writes like what Spike loves harmony and a heart. Oh, yes. oh, harm. Oh, harm. Oh, harmony. Yeah. Right. And then, and then the walk of shame happens. We already talked about that, but I do want to just say that in the scene that, uh, Buffy comes back to her dorm room, she has some really good post-sex hair. I don't know if anybody else noticed it, but it's real good. <laughs> but Kristen did. I did. I've been made, I've been like I should have my own segment this season that's just like Buffy's hair watch because I'm like really all about it. I just I think season four Buffy hair is super solid. At least these beginning episodes. Uh, I don't I don't know where we're gonna There's- go. I'm going to do this thing where like I know what you know and then and your audience knows there's some like crazy good Buffy like good bad Buffy hair coming up that we can all talk about. Oh I think I know what you mean. I think I know what you mean. (laughs) Um, But yeah so um, the walk of shame that you talked about but then there's this like upsetting Spike and Harmony scene right? Yeah yeah so this starts off before we get upset before we get upset this scene the one that you're referencing I believe yeah begins with harmony 
in a purple corset. It's a it's a beautiful, it's like a beautiful silk corset that she looks so good in. And so before we go into the scene, that gets a little down, I think we should go to Kate Leth, who I know is going to have something to say about this purple corset uh, and probably many other Harmony looks. We'll see. We'll find out. But let's hear from Kate. It's time for our friend Kate to give you the Buffy fashion update. Well, welcome back to Buffy Fashion Watch. And today we're talking about the harsh light of day, a.k.a. all men are terrible, but even demons and vampires pale in comparison to the guys you first meet in university. I'll be honest, I fast forwarded through a lot of this episode because I just hate Parker so much. I'll start by saying Harmony overshadows everyone else in this episode to such a degree that Spike wouldn't even need the gem of Amar if he'd just stand in the shade of her perfect outfits. We've got a red silk pantsuit. We've got detached sleeves with a braid in her hair, no less, and a floor-length pink silk skirt. And yes, Kristen, we have a purple corset, but it's not just a purple corset. It's a lavender tie-front knit corset spaghetti strap top. There's so many words going on in there. It's, it's really hard to cover all of it. And to top it all off, I can't tell if the pants she's wearing with it are silk or PVC. Honestly, I had that problem more than once in the episode. It's a problem I'm willing to have. I think we can agree on one thing. Spike never deserved her. Speaking of Spike, he'll make one of two guy entries into Fashion Watch this week. I know, very unusual. And no, it's not Xander. I'm not even talking about Xander in this episode, even though he does have a couple moments to kind of not be horrible. It's it's weird. But hilariously, Spike makes it in for a faux pas. I'm sorry, I I have such complicated sexy feelings about Spike because he imprinted on me as a teen and it's really hard to make that go away, that it is hilarious to see him in a baggy faded black t-shirt tucked into his jeans. He looks so goofy, like what is he doing? The second entry is Giles. Giles wears a hoodie. That's all I have to say. Overall, the Scooby gang don't pull many fashion surprises in this episode, although we do get the reintroduction of Anya. She wears several silk slip dresses. Try and imagine how many takes I did on that one. And she has brown hair. I forgot about her brown hair. Spoilers. Oh, and don't worry. If you were waiting for me to mention Buffy wearing baby blue when she kicks Spike's ass, I didn't forget. I could never forget. She did that one for me. Until next time, I'll see you at the mall. That was our friend Kate. She gave you the Buffy fashion update. Oh my gosh. (laughs) You can always count on Kate. Kate, always. Literally, always. So, okay. Thank you, Kate. Thank you for all the things that you constantly do to uh, bring us fashion in all of the most inventive ways. Um, Joanna, now you want to bring us down, right? Let's go down. Let's, let's, Let's all come down together. Well, it's just an interesting scene because, you know, like you don't, you love, we love Harmony, but we don't like, I don't know, like Harmony. She's so shitty to everyone. But like when she says like, basically like, why can't you be nice to me? Yeah. Sort of like. Oh my gosh. She doesn't, and she doesn't even say, she says, I don't know why I let you be so mean to me. Oh my God, so bad. It's really, I know. And like, again, journeying through my feelings for Spike, I was sort of like, why? Yeah, Harmony, why do we do this? Why, Why are we doing this? And of course, Spike. In another, I don't know, I don't know how to exactly play your Shakespeare game, but um, I just feel like love, (laughs) (laughs) I feel like love hurts, baby, might count. I don't know. I don't know if it counts, but it seems like. I'm going to give it a half point. Half point. Half point for love hurts, baby. (laughs) 
Thank you. Because you went out on the street right now and you were like, what do you think the line Love Hurts Baby is from? Yeah. People are going to be like all of pop music history. But if you say, <laughs> what's Blondie Bear from? <laughs> okay, okay. I'm learning. I'm learning, Joanna. I'm yeah, learning learn to game. play this very important game. <laughs> Oh, so then we go into a montage, right? This is where we transition into a montage after Sad Harmony. No. Detective Buffy <laughs> is using her yearbook to try to find Harmony. She is. She's like, have you seen this girl? Also, the yearbook <laughs> picture is the size of her thumbnail. Like, it's <laughs> so small. And right. So she's like, have you seen this girl? And then it cuts to like the drilling and the drilling and more drilling. And, and then, of course, the other piece of this montage is no messages from Parker, no phone call from Parker, Buffy watching the phone. It's not ringing. And she's getting more and more distressed in her pigtails. Distressed in her pigtails. The Buffy summer story. <laughs> <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by Regal Cinemas. If you're anything like me, you deeply enjoy going to the movies. Going to the movies is probably among my top three all-time activities. I love seeing films on the big screen. I also love being around other people who are watching the same movie with me at the same time. And of course, I love eating giant buckets of popcorn. If you feel the same and you like going to the theater, Regal Unlimited is something that just makes sense. Regal Unlimited is the all-you-can-watch movie subscription pass. It pays for itself in two movie visits. You can see any standard 2D movie anytime, no blackout dates, no restrictions. When you want to watch a movie in 4DX or IMAX or RPX or ScreenX, there's so many ways to watch movies these days, your Regal Unlimited membership gets you into those premium experiences at a reduced cost. And with Regal Unlimited, you don't only save money on the tickets, you will also save on your snacks. And as previously mentioned, I love snacks. The only thing that can make me love a snack more is saving money on buying a snack. Members get 10% off of all non-alcoholic concession items with membership. Regal Unlimited, all you can watch movie subscription pass. It pays for itself in two visits. So if you're planning to see two movies this month, join Regal Unlimited and sign up now. You can sign up in the Regal app or on regmovies.com slash unlimited. Sign up for Regal Unlimited using code buffering and earn 10% off your three-month subscription. Please let us know about all of the movies you see and how the popcorn is. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Okay, so then we get to this scene where this reminded me of um, the Goonies when they find the, the treasure and Goonies, you know, because it's like <laughs> piles of like necklaces and jewels. Harmony is like dancing in the back like an idiot and her little tiara has a great line, I think, where <laughs> Spike like thinks that the green jeweled necklace is the jewel of Amara. And right. so he like yanks right. it out of the pile and Harmony is like... Harmony just says, like, you're too good to use a clasp. Like, she's, 
<laughs> she's so mad at him that he like yanked the necklace and didn't undo the clasp. It's just, you know, Jane Espenson, like fucking great. It's just the lines Zingers. are so good in this Zingers. episode. Yeah, this reminds me of um of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, right? Ooh. Um, like like Goonies is a good reference. I always like to remember that the Goonies call the treasure rich stuff <laughs> um <laughs> the rich stuff um yeah so they definitely find the rich stuff but also this is like the uh you know the the cave in last crusade where you're looking for you know the the magical thing among all the other things and spike is going for a bunch of like super obvious stuff and harmony has unwittingly put the ring on her finger so right um, which yeah. we find out when spike literally stakes harmony having no idea that she's put on the jewel of Amara like no (laughs) definitely just killed Harmony and happened to I know and she's so hurt right she's like well she at first she has like a perfectly cordette response which is like I can't believe you did that (laughs) what the fuck but deep down she's so hurt like why my note is Spike why must you be like this why it's no good why do we let you be so mean why Harmony (laughs) and to our son to us why do we allow it us Uh, but now um, now we go to giles's apartment yes and uh more great xander stuff (laughs) xander moving books and finding giles's tv and he's like look he's shallow like us and willow is so disappointed (laughs) and you know giles defends his tv by saying he watches public television right great classic librarian retort classic librarian also (laughs) this is the scene where i don't even remember exactly what the dialogue is right at the top but they're like talking about like this is very important what they're doing it's more important than records and oz holds up a record which i paused to like figure out what it was because he's like even more important than this record and it's the velvet underground loaded which i learned is the fourth album uh, from the Velvet Underground, and it's also the final album ever recorded by Lou Reed. So, oh wow, it is a pretty important. It's a pretty important album mm-hmm. by by my uh, Wikipedia research. Uh, <laughs> just so everyone knows. Yeah, um, it's it's well. So Jane Espenson is so good with like the zingers, but also this is just good characterization, right? This is like a callback to Band Candy. Yeah, where you know um, we've there have been a number of moments I think about like Giles's record collection and Oz's admiration for it and know, stuff like that. And so it's real yeah. cute. They're just like it's little music charming. heads together, you know. Mm-hmm. I just, I would I would listen to their podcast. Yeah, um, <laughs> same. I would Oz listen and to Giles. Yeah, I would listen. <laughs> to Oz and Giles or Anthony Stewart head and Seth Green. I'm good. Yeah. Either way, I'm good. Vinyl Corner with Oz and Giles. Oh I would listen to it. God. Oh, it's yeah. so good. Now I want to like hire two actors to play Oz and Giles talking about <laughs> the music and the series. Okay, great, 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 great. Um, okay, then everything gets like really shitty. This is when I get super caps lock for um everything going on with Parker. I'm- um yeah, Buffy finds Parker uh using the same lines mm-hmm. on another girl. Yeah, Lion, I think. <laughs> yeah, I called her smug Katie in my in my notes. Uh, is it Katie's fault, really? No. <laughs> no, it's not Katie's fault. But the way she looks at Buffy is like, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like you'll be next, Katie. Yeah, you, look out. You're looking at you're looking at your future, my girl. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Katie, Katie, and Parker. Uh, bombing Buffy out it's real bad and then it culminates like like as this is this is this is Buffy the Vampire Slayer right Mm -hmm. something real happens to you you're um you know this guy you slept with who you thought maybe you're gonna start like a something with 
you find out he's a cad. He's hitting on Smug Katie. And then a literal demon <laughs> comes when you least suspect it and you have to fight with your demon. Oh, you know what I mean? Like, yes. that's what this show is. And Spike punches her in the, in the face. Spike is a daywalker now. Uh, yeah. To use, to use some blade terminology and... Uh, <laughs> And punches her in the face uh, right when she least needs it. So. Ugh, right when she least needs it because fucking, listen, I want to talk about the, the fight with Spike too, but I just want to like say out loud a couple of these yeah. lines from fucking Parker. Like one of them, one of the lines that Parker says to her before Spike gets there is he, she's like, you you didn't call and I was just wondering. And he just fucking like, he knows, right? He knows what the fuck is happening here. But instead of being nice at all, he says, it's only been a couple of days. Did you need to talk about something? Like a uh, Ugh. fucking nightmare and then Buffy yeah. like halfway through this conversation is like did I do something wrong which made me want to sob like just sob yeah. because she does she thinks that she's done something wrong and it just makes me so upset and Joanna it is one of the um, most visceral experiences of the fucking patriarchy that I have seen so far in this show it makes me so mad so I'm gonna just play the fucking jingle the patriarchy Okay, so thank you for thank you for bearing with me through that anger that I have. Uh, and now Spike is punched her when we're in the daylight fight. <laughs> yes, yeah, sorry. Um, I did not mean to railroad any uh, opportunity to call it the patriarchy, but uh, <laughs> you know, here's Spike also doing it because Spike is not only like literally punching Buffy, but he's like slut shaming her in this mm. fight too. Yes, and uh, I guys once again. Uh, I, we apologize for Spike being our favorite. I know. He is our favorite. This is terrible. Uh, the most charitable explanation I can come up with this. Not that I need to defend Spike because he's a villain, but like uh, is once again my whole rom-com will they, won't they. Mm -hmm. uh, his fixation with who Buffy is having sex with. Right. Uh, and like all this shit about, you know, when he's like, uh, he says this disgusting thing where he's like, what is it like to pry apart this player's dimpled yes. knees or something like that? Like, that's disgusting. Because, like, dimpled knees just, like, implies, like, super young and all of that. It's just disgusting. Um, but I'm just sort of like, because he wants to. <laughs> like, that's that's that's, uh, that's not an excuse. Yeah. That's my thesis. Yeah. So, uh, you know. And and also, like, I feel, because, because it is, com like, complicated that, you know, we talk so much about smashing the patriarchy and yet here I am and here you are and we're like, oh, fuck, but Spike. Because it's like, what the fuck? You know, I mean, he is the worst, um, but he's also a demon. And so I think that that like that influences my experience of Spike is like he's written to be evil. The like shit he does is fucking evil. And it, it falls a little bit differently to me than like Parker being a shitbag. Um, they both they both really could use a good fucking punch in the face in this episode. Uh, but I think that's why perhaps I internalize them differently. I don't know. Um, but I do. Oh, absolutely. I think Parker, I think a, a you know, a shitty human human is magnitudes worse than a like a, a villain who's as evil as he's supposed to be. Yeah. Um, you know, absolutely. And um this whole exchange and him bringing up Angel and him bringing up Angel being the thing that sort of drives her to finish the fight. Like that's all great, you know, because fuck him and fuck him for bringing that up. Yeah. But uh, you know, and then he's also had Drusilla thrown in his face a number of times in this episode. So like this this ex-slinging mm -hmm. <laughs> um 
as you mentioned at the top of the episode is sort of a, a two-way street um totally but spike is just more like uh just disgusting and and shitty and and slut shamey about it because it's just sort of like he talks about her having sex with Parker and he's like, oh, it didn't seem like you knew him that well. It's like, fuck you, dude. Yeah. Like, well, right. And he he's just playing on. I mean, they do a good yeah. job playing on each other's insecurities because like his insecurity is his heart when it comes to Drew. And in and in this case, you know, Buffy's insecurity really is tied to sex, like having sex and like feeling like, did she fuck up? Did she were her expectations wrong? Like, what did she do wrong when it comes to sleeping with this person? Because it's a fucking trigger for her already because of her history. Uh, so they really know how to fuck each other up is, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, is what I think we are saying. Also, shout out to another line, uh, gem of Amara, official sponsor of my killing you, I think is pretty, yeah. <laughs> pretty solid. <laughs> nice great. work, Jane and Spike. <laughs> uh-huh. Great, great, great. Yeah. There's also some like, uh, we should point out some truly classically terrible stunt uh, work in this scene mm-hmm. and then some good stuff too i rewound this one part where spike's on his back and he does one of those classic like flip himself back up things mm-hmm. that you see so often on buffy and i swear to god <laughs> it's marcer's doing it like uh because you can see his face it's not a cut to his face what? he like flips himself up and it's on his face and like granted his spike vamp makeup in the daytime Mm-hmm. I, like the, the the thing is like the stunt double is physically it's a bigger dude and so it's not the stunt double maybe they had an acrobatic double but it seems like <laughs> too much work so anyway um i'll be curious if your listeners agree yes. with me or if they're like joanna you're crazy james marcers definitely did not do like a flip back up from the ground oh but, but what if he that, did i'm I like mean, fanning he myself a, <laughs> he had many abs at the time and i think sarah did that move herself a couple times as well i think it's like one that they could the actors could figure out wow. you know they're like not necessarily doing their own kicking but they're doing that like flip up from the ground nice. anyway yeah so the 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 turn that um the turn that Spike takes to Angel is really all Buffy ever needed to win this fight. <laughs> um, yeah. As soon as he draws the line between the insecurity she's feeling with Parker to the experience she had with Angel, it's fucking done. My notes in all caps is that's all she needed, blammo. Literally I wrote blammo, so you're all welcome. <laughs> wow. She gets the fucking ring. Spike somehow doesn't immediately combust, which is like a little you know, he, he jumps underground pretty quickly, but like he's in direct sunlight for like at least a couple seconds. No fire happens. He jumps underground. Will it be the last we see of Spike? Well, he's in the credits, folks, so probably not. Um, but yeah, and then and then oh, and then the end of this episode has a lot of feelings for me. How do you what about you? Jim? Well, yeah. Yeah, we and and before we get to the very end, we should say that we skipped sort of like Anya oh, looking yeah. for Xander, and Xander was looking for Buffy, and he's like, I don't have time, and he literally, I mean, he didn't. He's trying mm-hmm. to like, you know, they know. I think at that point that's, or maybe he doesn't know that. Anyway, like th- this is not the first or the last time that's that Xander will, uh, y- you know his concern for Buffy supersede a concern for a romantic partner. Right. This is a classic Xander thing, but it also just sort of feels like, yeah, he does. He doesn't have time in that moment for that. Um, But that's, that's like a sad thing for Anya. And then also we get Harmony who goes, 
being a vampire sucks. <laughs> and it's like such a cheesy line, but it's done so well. It and really I just yeah, full it, marks for that. Yeah, it really is. Sad harmony, like sad vamp harmony really nails it. I, I wrote down another one of her lines in that little moment. Cause she says, like I wouldn't have just given it to him. He was my platinum baby and I loved him. <laughs> no. Hard. Why is she so good? <laughs> Why is she so good? Uh, yeah. The episode would have ended wonderfully if all of the scorned women just got together you know if they were like you know what ladies let's just be here for each other that's how Kristen Russo would have ended this episode are you saying you wanted Oceans 3 (laughs) (laughs) yes correct um uh, yeah but instead it's just sad sad walking montage (laughs) sad walking montage right but of course before we get to the sad walking montage um Mm, yeah Oz uh, thankfully Oz has that gig in Los Angeles that we briefly heard about at the beginning of the episode so he's gonna bring the ring of Amara to Angel from Buffy which is like I really wish Chris and I really wish that you were doing like an angel podcast right now because then you could just like (laughs) immediately the following week like go to that episode well you know you're right and what's funny Joanna is I am um (laughs) this is the first I'm hearing there actually is an angel podcast it's called angel on top and uh you know who's going to be guesting on this episode the next episode is Jenny Owen Young's <gasps> I've heard of her. Yeah, Jenny Owen Youngs, <laughs> who is not here in this universe, don't worry, will be in Los Angeles in the other universe because we're gonna find out what happens over there with Oz going to LA because you know that's what that's what these television shows do. Oh, it's so exciting. Yeah. Um, I am really thrilled that you guys are doing this week by week thing. I've never done that kind of watch the like watch one Buffy, watch one angel, but uh, especially in this season yeah and this season and the following when they're on the same network it feels like vital to do a side by side watch you just miss things if you don't so i would recommend everyone it's early in the new angel podcast start your angel rewatch or your angel first time watch kristen did not pay me to say this nor did she tell me to say this, <laughs> I, I, I really i really do think that it's like uh at least at least for two seasons and then you'll be hooked and won't want to stop anyway but like at least for two seasons you gotta watch both so hell yeah hell yes the crossovers yeah. the crossovers are everything so then willow really shows the fuck up like willow says the thing that we all wanted to like scream to buffy through the television screen in the prior scene is just like you know, no, like none of this bullshit where you feel like you did something wrong. This guy is an asshole, but in Willow speak <laughs> is a poop head. Uh, <laughs> and, and Buffy sort of has this moment of saying like, Ugh, which really gets me. He's manipulative and shallow. And why doesn't he want me? It's like owning, the, ah! right? Like, like <laughs> yep, owning yep. this shit, like owning it, yeah. being like, I see it. I see it. But yet it still emotionally impacts me. Like I can't yeah. access the next rung on this ladder to say like, he's manipulative and he's shallow. And so I don't give a fuck that he doesn't want me. Like I'm still on this rung of the ladder where I'm still upset about it, which is so real. It is like, you can see that somebody's an asshole and still be destroyed by them. It's just how life. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's that's a very real (laughs) sentence right there. And here's here is uh, so I will be gentle on Xander in this episode. I will be sympathetic for Harmony and sympathetic for Anya and hopefully um, as harsh on Spike as I should be. I'm going to be a little hard on Buffy here. Mm -hmm. This is Willow showing the fuck up for Buffy in a way that I feel Buffy often like 
fails to do for Willow. Yeah. And um, I think we've all been in those friendships where <laughs> you're the one who shows up and the other person does. Not that Buffy never does, but like the, just every time Willow does in such a spectacular fashion, I'm like, Buffy's not, I mean, she's a chosen one, sure, but uh, I wish she would choose to show up for her friends a little bit more sometimes. Yeah, so, yeah, you know. yeah. It's an unbal- It's certainly an unbalanced relationship, at least at this at this stage in the game, it's yeah. always Willow comforting Buffy. Very rarely Buffy being there for Willow in that deep of a way. Yeah. Um, but hopefully she's taken some of what Willow has said to heart, um, that this is a certifiable poop head and we don't need him anymore. And then we get our, what you called, did you call it a broken hearted walk? Cause if you did, that's literally the note that I wrote down in my, in my notes. Similar, yeah, yeah, broken, yeah, something like that. Buffy, Anya, and Harmony, just all like, man, love hurts. What's what was the line that I said that I got a half a point for? Love, love hurts, baby. Love hurts, baby. (laughs) So generous with that half point, Joanna. In the classic words of Buffy Vampire Slayer, (laughs) love hurts, baby. God damn it. (laughs) oh you know what's hard about a podcast is that it just like goes into outer space and now forever that will be just logged (laughs) love hurts baby that's the one i came up with everyone (laughs) oh Um, yeah well this is a entire this is an episode entirely about sex and so of course let's go over to jenny owen young's and the sexual tension award for this week Hey, what's up? It's me, your friend, Jenny Owen Youngs, here to bring you uh, everything you need to know about recent goings-on in the land of the Sexual Tension Awards. Great, great, great. Last episode, season four, episode two, Living Conditions. want to bring the results of our listener poll to you. And uh, here's what we got. Basically tied in last place, we had Kathy and Celine Dion with 15% and Kathy and Pencil Sharpener with 14%. Coming in at second place, we had Kathy and Hard-Boiled Eggs with 30% of the vote, and Kathy and Cher taking the award with 41% of your vote. Hell yeah, congratulations, Kathy and Cher. I guess Kathy was going to come out a winner no matter what, but very exciting for Cher. I'm sure Cher has a uh, small space just uh, open and dusted on her trophy wall in her home, uh, just waiting for this trophy, which is, of course in the mail. Thank you all for voting. You know, I guess there were some real sparks between Kathy and Celine and Kathy and those eggs and Kathy and the pencil sharpener. But when you really think about it, we did hear, uh, do you believe in life after love more times in this episode than I think we've ever heard uh, anything in one episode of anything ever before. So great. Uh, They clearly earned it and we're very happy for them. Now, moving on to this episode's nominees. Now, when Kristen and I were narrowing it down this week, uh, I want you to know that I had a nomination for Drusilla and the Fungus Demon, which we were categorizing as a special off-camera nomination. Now, we're not going to honor that. It's not going to be in the Twitter poll, but we did want to mention it uh, because it sounds great. And also, we wanted a chance to play the Drusilla jingle for you. So here it is. Drusilla, you fill in my heart. And still I'm led right back to you. 
okay, okay. So now time for the real nominees this week. Wow. Okay. We've got some hot, hot pairings. First of all, uh, we've got Devin and Crop Tops. I don't know if you noticed Devin's midriff the way I noticed Devin's midriff, but holy crap, that guy loves a crop top. We've also got Anya and the phrase sexual intercourse, which she allegedly said like a dozen times. Great, great, great. Then we've got Xander and his juice box, of course. And our final nominee is Harmony and Blondie Bear slash Platinum Baby. So, please, if you want to get in on this, please uh, find us on Twitter at BufferingCast. We will have the poll up imminently, and you can vote for your top pick for sexual tension in this week's episode. Care about you guys? Now enjoy the rest of the episode. Oh my gosh. A huge congrats from us too, uh, to Cher and Kathy. Uh, great Do work. you believe, <laughs> Kristen, that that was the result? <laughs> you know, Joanna, I, I do. I do believe it. I also really believe that the second runner up was the hard boiled eggs because I think I think <laughs> they were really neck and neck for a while there. And then Cher took the lead, um, which I think was well deserved. So anyhow, did you did we miss anything? Uh, did we miss anything towards the end of the episode that you wanted to talk about? Um, I don't think so. I just I appreciate I mean, like, so the thesis of becoming part one and two is like, you know, what if you sleep with your high school boyfriend or your much older boyfriend when you're in high school and he, be, he literally becomes a monster? Um, yeah. You know, is Joss's great, brilliant stroke of genius that he had for Buffy season two. Mm-hmm. Um, and to have it uh, repeated again uh, in human form in college. Um, well, I don't know. It, it here's Here's what it feels like. It's like you go to high school and everything's so dramatic and everything's so big and it's over the top. And like this, this metaphor of like, you know, um, these, these hurdles you face are little, literal demons. Like it all, it all makes so much sense because high school just feels that way. So big to have it reflected and refracted again in Parker, uh, in college, but be like smaller and lamer and human, Mm -hmm. um, is also a lesson you learn in college where you're just sort of like, Oh, these problems that I thought were so big in high school, man, these fucking happen all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Happens every day, all the time. And it's not as, it's not that Buffy's hurt here isn't significant. It is. Um, not that this is the last we'll see of her hurt, but um, that is just like, yeah, this happens, man. It's not just your special vampire demon boyfriend that does this shit. Uh, it it just happens. People are terrible sometimes. Totally. And, uh, these are the lessons we learn in college or or as we get older, you know, so. Totally. And I love that. I love that, too, because it is like that's kind of the journey that we all go on as we grow. It's not that the things hurt any less. It's that they just hurt with a different level of knowledge. Right. Like it's like we have yeah. more to contextualize the hurt with. And it's the same. It's the same. Like the hurt that you feel when your first love leaves you like you feel that level of hurt so many other times in your life. But it's just different because you're older. You have more experience in certain things. You have more like trauma in certain way. Right. Like you there's just all these other pieces that go along with it. And so, right, this is devastating for Buffy in like a way that is really very deep. Maybe not as deep as sending her first lover to a hell dimension, but it's, it's real. It's like very, yeah, it's very fucked up. Right. And Buffy will just like continue to learn these lessons. This is the whole point of things. And, and, and the challenge of the show, and I think, you know, you and I did talk about this a little bit on the 
living conditions episode that we did is like the challenge of the show is to find those parallels that are maybe easy to recall in high school. But like, what does that look like in college? Mm -hmm. What does that look like beyond college? Like, what are the young adult hurdles that feel demonic to us? You know, is, yeah. it, is it is it your freshman roommate <laughs> using Sharpie to label her eggs? Uh, is it, you know, uh, is it this thing that you thought was more than a one night stand and it turns out it was just a one night stand you know like what what are those things and uh i think like i said in that episode like sometimes these later seasons of buffy really nail it and sometimes i think they're stretching a little bit to figure out um analogous uh challenges mm -hmm. for a young adult mm -hmm. so i don't know it's interesting joanna you're so good at talking do you know that about yourself <laughs> <laughs> joanna robinson <sighs> Thanks for being a part of the harsh light of day with me. Um, thank you for having me to talk about our problematic fave and weird <laughs> sex stuff. Um, someday we will, Kristen, you and I will launch our spinoff podcast that's just called Problematic Fave. Yeah, yeah. Uh, parentheses, weird sex stuff. And um, <laughs> everyone will, of course, want to listen to it. So. Exactly. And uh, if, yeah. if you all enjoyed listening to Joanna and I talk about the harsh light of day, uh, I said this up at the top, but you can listen to us talk about living conditions in a bonus episode that's over on our Patreon, which is uh, available to all of our patrons at any level. So you can check that out. You just go to our website, bufferingthevampireslayer.com and click on Patreon. And there's a bonus episode where Joanna and I talk about Kathy, Kathy, and some more Kathy. <laughs> <laughs> Joanna, will you tell the lovely humans where they can find you? If you're a Westworld watcher and a podcast listener, and hopefully for listening to this podcast, you are a podcast listener. Mm -hmm. um, I do two podcasts about the TV show Westworld. One is called, it takes that many podcasts to understand what's going on, guys. <laughs> uh, one's called Decoding Westworld. One's called Still Watching Colon Westworld. We will also, the Still Watching podcast uh, will, once Westworld is done, be moving on to the Amy Adams HBO adaptation of Gillian Flynn's uh, Sharp Objects. So we will Ooh. be doing like a little watch of that. So still watching is something that I do with my Vanity Fair uh, co-host, Richard Lawson. And if you don't want to hear me yammer anymore, you can read me yammer on VanityFair.com. <laughs> I'm actually on newsstands right now. I have a cover story in Vanity Fair. So uh, you can get that on newsstands, uh, the cover story on Amelia Clark, or uh, you can find me on Twitter at Joe Wrote This. Ugh. Cover story on Amelia Clark. I just want to make sure everyone heard that. It's so fucking awesome, Joanna. It's so great. <laughs> Everything that you do is so great. Also, I want everyone to know that I'm behind on Westworld, but like Joanna, I've like like squintily looked at some of your tweets and I'm like, oh, Joanna's really into the most recent episode. And I'm like three behind. I have to I have to catch up. I have so much, so I, much I, to watch. I was a little proud of myself. So I wrote this tweet that went kind of um like a little uh, it went a little far. And um <laughs> it went far beyond my my little like sometimes you make it sometimes you make a tweet and mm -hmm. it goes far outside the scope of your little like following, right? And so all of a sudden there are people on there that like don't understand what you're about. And they're like trying to <laughs> decipher your tweet. And so like, I feel like most of the people who follow me really understood, but I, I like, I put the last episode of Westworld and compared it to three episodes of television that I find like tremendously affecting. And mm -hmm. one's the door, a Game of Thrones uh, episode. One is the constant, my favorite lost episode. And then I put a Buffy still up there. And most people in my feed knew which one I meant, but it's just Giles's face. And so a lot of people are like, either what's Giles reacting to. Some people are like, is that the coffee commercial that Giles used to be on? Oh my God. Um, and then, you know, and then some people are just like, you know, what's, what's that Buffy episode? It was, it was passion. 
for the record. Yeah. I know all of your listeners would have gotten it. It's like the it's like the shot of Giles's face when he sees Jenny. Uh, it's very very clear um, what it is, Joanna. I'm, right? I'm like, here we for get you. it. It's super clear. <laughs> we get it. I just want to say that like I needed more of your listeners in that moment for all the people who are like, oh, what episode is that? I mean, granted, I could have picked like Jenny and Angel in the window or something like that, but I went for uh, the Giles moment because it's just a little bit more. You yeah, know. I do. Yeah. I think it was a great choice. Screw all those people who don't know Buffy well enough to get your picture. I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> Screw them. Anyhow, when I am not um, talking to Jenny O'Young's or Joanna Robinson about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, uh, I am, you know, doing stuff with LGBTQ young people and their families. As a matter of fact, if you are based in New York in just under in just a few days on June 23rd, I'll be doing my all ages pride party. It's an annual party that I throw in New York City. It's at Housing Works Bookstore. It's super fun. It's from one o'clock until three o'clock and we have performances by Chica and Emily Wells and the Slam Poetry Team from Urban Word New York City. Reese Bernard of Autostraddle is going to co-host with me uh, and you can find out all of those details um, just by following me on social media. It's all over my social media right now. You can do that at Kristen Nolene, which is K-R-I-S-T-I-N-N-O-E-L. What? Did I spell my own name wrong? Did I say? <laughs> did I say? Did I say? K-R-I-S-T-E-N? Or did I say I-N? I'm going to start again. Wow. This is history in the making, folks. K-R-I-S-T-I-N-N-O-E-L-I-N-E. Jesus Christ. That's how you find my socials. It's also my website, uh, kristinoline.com. And of course, you can find Buffering at BufferingCast uh, on Twitter, on Instagram, and on Facebook. And you can also email us at BufferingTheVampireSlayer at gmail.com. I think we're ready to howl out, Joanna. Are you ready? I'm ready. Until next time. Uh, woo! Beautiful. <laughs>
Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.